The Monster Cereals, Couchocula, Frankenberry, and Booberry present... still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. <laughs> Episode 166. Horror Movies. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flat. Today is Halloween, October 31st, 2015, and I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about horror movies. We'll be talking about horror movies because I scheduled a You Don't Know Flack to record, and I was going to talk about Halloween costumes. And for the second year in a row, I realized that I have already done an episode about Halloween costumes. I have great intentions. And bad memories. So I have uh, stored a list, all my little notes about the horror movies I've watched over the years, on my trusty Commodore 64. So as I retrieve that list really quick, we have a few minutes to talk on this week's Loading Time. Loading Time. Loading Time. Loading Time. Well, good morning again if my voice sounds a little raspy. It's because it is 8 o'clock in the morning. Everyone in my family is still asleep, but I am upstairs recording an episode of You Don't Know Flack for Halloween. Halloween is my favorite holiday. I enjoy it greatly. I have great memories of it as a kid, dressing up, trick-or-treating, later going to Halloween parties with my friends, and tying into that has always been horror movies for me. So that was what inspired this episode. I like when people celebrate Halloween online, not just by dressing up on Halloween, but decorating. Uh, I, I definitely love seeing decorations. I definitely love uh, people sharing fun things. That's that's one one part of social media that I do enjoy. I'm finding that there are equal parts more and more as time goes on that I don't enjoy. But uh, something I do enjoy is people sharing pictures of uh, costumes and their kids' costumes. I really enjoy seeing what people dress their kids up as. And, and uh, again, decorations both in the house and outside the house and their lawn. Uh, I've enjoyed... Uh, uh, all that kind of stuff. So this is this is definitely my favorite uh, time of year. I enjoyed uh, Doug McCoy does a blog uh, where he talks about autumn and the fall, and that all ties in with Halloween. To me, it's the changing of the seasons, and it's the as things are, are slowly dying, the leaves are coming off, and the trees are are losing their leaves, and and uh, starting to get cold. And it's just that that whole time of year I enjoy. Uh, Christopher Tupa has been celebrating this year, uh, 
the Halloween season by drawing uh, Halloween-themed pictures of his friends. I was uh, uh, very surprised one day to open Facebook and find a uh, painting of myself portrayed as a zombie, which I thought was hilarious. I've seen some different uh, podcasters. I saw uh, my partner, Sean, from Throwback Reviews showed up in uh, as one of Tupa's subjects along with Ferg from the 2600 Game by Game podcast and several other people. So I, I thought that was a really good way to celebrate the month. You can check out Christopher Tupa's Halloween artwork and all his artwork over at ctupa.com. My time over the past month or two months has definitely, my free time has definitely dwindled thanks to College. I know I've talked about this on the show before. I'm taking one graduate level class right now, and I've submitted my application to the University of Oklahoma for a Master's of Professional Writing. I feel that that is a course that will not just. Uh, I don't have any interest in in getting pieces of paper that say I'm qualified to do something. So it's not about that. It's not about prestige. It's not about that at all, but it is about learning, honing the craft of writing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm good at writing, but I think I'm lucky when I'm good at writing. I don't know the ins and outs. I don't know the craft as, uh, uh, I don't know the formulas, for being good at writing. And so that's what I'm hoping to get from that. The class I'm taking right now is uh, a short story writing class. And I go twice a week to class and I love every minute of it. I'm really enjoying, I'm starting to enjoy my uh, classmates. I, I, I went in, I, I don't normally do this, but I went in not with a standoff uh, attitude, but just with a, you know, I'm here for business. I'm here for work. Uh, I'm here to learn type of attitude. Uh, and it, it it's not natural, and maybe that's not the right word, but it doesn't come natural to bond with people that are uh, with such a, a large difference in age. I think all of my classmates are in their 20s. Some are in their mid-20s, and uh, most are in their early 20s. So... We just don't talk about the same things. We haven't seen the same movies or read the same books. Uh, so it, it doesn't come completely natural to me. But the longer I'm in the class and I've met uh, uh, two or three people in the class that are good writers. I mean, I'm sure there's more than that, but just a few that I've spoken with and, and we get to read each other's stuff. So, uh, But I've, I've met some some. Uh, I hate to call them kids or college students, but that are good writers and are into, uh, you know, reading and writing and just, I'm just starting to enjoy some of their company more. And, uh, the, I, I talked a little bit about this on the last episode, talked a lot about it on the last episode, but as far as uh, the short story class goes, we, um, are writing stories, but as we write stories, we're also getting, uh, lessons and having discussions with the professor. So uh, I, I jumped out in front and wrote a short story for, I have to turn a, a story in next week, but I've, I've written the story. I wrote the story two or three weeks ago. And then each time I go to class, we discuss 
another portion of a short story, you know, like how to do dialogue better, how to do stimulus and response, how to do uh, sequels and scenes. And so I'm constantly having to hone this story, <laughs> go back uh, and edit it. And, and um, for our for our class, we have a, a word limit for our short stories. The upper limit, I'm, I'm never worried about the lower limit, but the upper limit is 5,000 words. And usually when I write my stories, I, they're 4,800, 4,900. And then I have to go back and start cramming all this stuff in. And, and so things have to come out <laughs> before there's room for things to go in. Uh, but I am, I am really enjoying it. And, um, you know, maybe if, uh, I have a story, you know, I, I have to write four stories in all for the class. So maybe if I, uh, I, I'm, I keep thinking maybe I can write one about technology and, and, uh, work that into a story. So we'll, we'll see if we can do that. I recently published a blog post, uh, about a girl who rides a cow and not all my blog posts are, uh, deep in meaning. Not all of them are, you know, there's a lot of them that are just about old star Wars things or the kids or the family or things that are going on in my life. But, uh, I was kind of proud of this one and I'm not going to read it to you, but I'm going to sum it up. Uh, and, and the post was spawned. I read an article about a 15 year old girl in Germany who asked her parents for a horse because she wanted to ride a horse and, and, you know, ride it around. I guess that's a pretty common theme, uh, for uh, young girls. I know when I was in high school, all the girls wanted, uh, I think black beauty was a, a big thing when I was in high school and all the girls wanted a pet horse. Uh, but her, this, this young girl, uh, her parents would not buy her a horse. So instead they lived on a farm and instead she went and got a saddle and saddled up the family cow and she started riding the cow around, and, and it's at the point now where she has taught the cow uh, to jump over these, uh, I would I just call them hurdles, I suppose. Um, and it's a fun news story. You know, you read it, and it's uh, silly, and you see this girl riding around a cow and doing this. But it, it really, it's it, um, it, it sparked an idea in me in that this girl is doing what she wanted to do, She's just doing it with what she had available. And so uh, to, to kind of summarize the blog post, uh, I, I talked a little bit about exercise. And the post wasn't about exercise. That was just an example. But um, so the example, one of the examples I gave was that, you know, people talk about exercise. And I did this where I wanted to exercise, but I thought, well, before I get started, I need these new shoes. And, you know. I remember seeing this uh, article that you need the right socks before you exercise. So, you know, I, I wanted to make sure I got the right exercise socks. Uh, and then, you know, people said, oh, well, if you got a Fitbit or an Apple Watch, which I, I don't have either of those things, but uh, that that was suggested, you know, different things like that. And, and so uh, <laughs> you put off your goal, which was to exercise, because you want the perfect stuff. You want that horse. You know, um, and I've heard people say, well, I, you know, I want to write a book, but I can't do it with this crappy laptop. Uh, and I pulled up some examples. I know that, um, uh, Game of Thrones is written on a, uh, a DOS word processor and there are, uh, Quentin Tarantino is famous for writing all of his scripts out longhand 
on notebooks, you know. So you don't need the world's best laptop to be able to write. And you can apply this to anything, you know. Uh, I've I've talked about this on the episode I did about about podcasting. People say, "Well, I'd love to do a podcast, but I don't have I don't have a good mic." Uh, Ferg on the 2600 Game by Game podcast started with a rock band mic. I know Sean from Throwback Reviews for a long time used a rock band mic. These are $10 mics. You can get it used at video game storage. You can probably find them at garage sales. Um, you know, people do. Uh, I, I've seen, we went to uh, Washington, D.C. Was it this year? I think it was this year. And... Uh, we were in the uh, Museum of Natural History, and they had up on the uh, top floor, they had a huge photo uh, exhibit, you know, of all these award-winning photos. And the theme, you know, you're looking at these photos, they're, they're beautiful. And then you look, and the theme was uh, photos that are taking, taken by smartphones. So iPhones and, and Android phones, whatever. Uh, and so, you know, that, that's an old journalism joke is uh yes people what the best camera is and the answer is whatever one you have with you you know and and the idea is that if you have a a great camera but you've left it at home it doesn't do you any good (laughs) which is kind of the point of it you know um so the the camera on your phone is better than the camera you don't have with you at the time um but you know it's true it's that it's um on a bigger scale it's what what do you have at your disposal right now what kind of computer do you have what kind of microphone can you get you know what um and it applies to anything to art and to podcasting and to music and and you know anything so the point of that blog post and what I'm uh the reason why I wanted to repeat it here is don't let uh that desire to have you know an expensive horse stop you from doing stuff. Don't let, uh, I think it's a psychological thing that we do to ourselves where we say, well, I, you know, I don't want to get started yet because I don't have this or, you know, my product would be better if, uh, you know, only I purchase this. And I, I hear a lot of, uh, people, I know Sean on, um, the, uh, uh, his running podcast has said, um, uh, you know, even if you get up and you only run a mile, You've run more than the people that didn't run at all that are sitting at home on the couch, you know? And so, um, by the way, even if you're not, uh, if you're just thinking about getting started running or something, you should check out uh, the average runner podcast, but the, you know, so, and, and that's a point is, you know, if you're not doing anything, then you're doing less than if you were doing something. So, uh, that, that's the only thing I wanted to share about that is don't spend your whole life, waiting around to get that horse. If you got a cow, saddle it up and get started. (laughs) So uh, with that, we're going to saddle this cow and get started with this episode of You Don't Know Flack. When I was a little kid, my dad, for Christmas, I think one year, bought me this hardback book. And the name of the book is Monsters and Vampires. And inside the book, it's a um, a big hardback book full of color photos, and it is a history of horror films. There are pictures uh, that go all the way back, starting with the Universal films, and, and there's pictures of Nosferatu and, and, and those 
uh, horror films. And it goes all the way through the history of, you know, 50s horror, 60s horror. And it ends, the very last chapter uh, talks about, and it must have been published. In, in fact, yeah, I, I know that it was published right around the time of the release of The Exorcist. And the writer talks about how The Exorcist is the most brutal, the most graphic, the most offensive horror movie ever released. And there's a small part in there that says it's hard to imagine uh, a horror movie being more graphic or vile than this one, which, of course, now makes me laugh. because, And while The Exorcist is definitely not tame, <laughs> uh, and, and there there's uh, plenty in there to offend people, but uh, certainly the world of, of horror movies has come a long way since The Exorcist. It's funny how we always think uh, the current time, you know, I, I think this, I think, how can computers get any better? How can cell phones get any better? You know, how can what we have in technology, my flat screen TV, I think it's the greatest thing ever. I can't imagine anything better. But uh, then I think about 10 years ago, you know, all those things, 10 years ago, what was your uh, cell phone like? <laughs> what was your computer like 10 years ago? You know, so uh, it's hard for us to imagine uh, what things will be like in the future, but it's always funny to look back and see uh, how they were in the past. So I had this book, and I would flip through it and look at all these monsters, different pictures, lots of Hammer uh, horror films and monsters. Uh, there's even a a picture of David Prowse dressed up as a some sort of egg-headed alien choking another guy, and my dad wrote next to the picture in pen in the book, he wrote Darth and underlined it, so I would be sure to recognize that uh, Dar uh, David Prowse was actually uh, the man who played Darth Vader in the suit in the Star Wars films. So I had this book, and it you know made me curious about horror films. Just as a little kid, seeing all these things in there just really made me want to watch these horror films. I I um uh, I don't know if you ever did this as a kid, but I had a couple of books that would. The pictures would scare me. I had this uh, encyclopedia, like an encyclopedia of animals that I, I think uh, one of my aunts and uncles had purchased for me. And a different one would come each week and or, you know, once a month you would get a new one. And then eventually you had the whole set of encyclopedias. And there was a uh, the part about sharks. And I would turn the page and there was this full color picture of a shark. Uh, you know, coming out of the water with big bloody teeth. And I, I never wanted to touch that page. Just touching it scared me, you know. There was another page uh, with scorpions on it, and, and it was just uh, so scary, just the image, that I didn't want to touch it as a little kid. And there were pages in this uh, Monsters and Vampires book that were like that. I remember there was a picture. I don't know. I don't remember what the uh, film was, but it was of a – there's a picture of a lady, like a severed head – uh, that is is hooked up in a laboratory. So this this head is being animated, and the top of the skull is missing. So you can see the brain, and there are wires, and and the lady's eyes are alive, are you know open. And I remember that picture just scared me. Just this this um, you know severed head that's still being kept alive 
through technology just uh, the whole thing just creeped me out. So there were parts of the book that that actually you know I was afraid. Uh, sometimes I would, there were pages where I would try to flip over them <laughs> very quickly or, or two at a time uh, to avoid seeing them. But that's the earliest thing I can remember uh, that would got me interested in horror films. I was in the living room one time and I was really young. I was probably, um, oh gosh, first or second grade. And we were watching uh, a special. My mom, I think my grandma was over for some reason. uh, And uh, my sister and I, we were all in the living room and we were watching a special and, and it was a TV special about like the scariest scenes from movies or something. Now, obviously this is going to be the, the late seventies, you know, maybe early eighties, um, and so we're watching this special. And at some point, my mom said, you know, you need to go to your room. This is getting a little bit too scary. So I went to my room. And, and in my room, I had this little, oh, gosh, it's probably a 9-inch, 11-inch, I don't know, black and white television. And uh, so I went in there. And I drug the TV to my bed. And I put the blanket over so nobody could see. And I turned it on. And I I remember right when I turned it on, they were showing the, the shower scene from Psycho. And so that is the first scene from any horror movie that I can remember seeing was the shower scene. And I, and I think it may have been edited down a little bit for television, but I remember the screaming and the, the shower curtain being ripped back and, and um, you know, the blood draining down into the, uh, <laughs> the shower drain. And for some reason, I don't know why, maybe I was too young to understand what made that scene uh, really horrific, but, uh, for, for some reason it didn't, didn't scare me that much, but it made me curious, you know, about, uh, you know, horror movies and things like that. I think I probably still took, um, baths <laughs> at the time. So something that happened in a shower, wasn't something I could relate to. Now, something I could relate to, uh, was seeing Jaws, and I don't remember watching the movie Jaws, but I remember just being aware of Jaws. You know, I was born in, in 73, and Jaws is what, uh, uh, 77, 78, something like that. Uh, and uh, no, it's earlier, earlier than Star Wars. Um, but uh, just uh, seeing, you know, that the shark coming out of the water made me afraid to take a bath, which is, of course, a ridiculous uh, you know, thought of a, of a shark getting you in a bathtub, you know, but uh, that's how young I was, was just putting those, those two things together, uh, being afraid of that. Uh, so as a young kid, I don't remember really being afraid of, of horror movie type things. One thing that really scared me was, um, alien abductions, uh, uh, or just aliens in general, I should say, and and Bigfoot. I read a lot of those uh, types of books. You get them from the library, and there would always be the stories of you know uh, Bigfoot like uh, grabbing people out of their window <laughs> and pulling them from their house. I remember reading a short story about that. It was like a you know a kids type book of of Bigfoot encounters. Same thing with uh, UFOs. I had this book uh, called I think it was just called you know, aliens and UFOs or something. And I remember uh, reading about the um, people being abducted and that, that used to really scare me, you know? Um, and, and as a kid, I think uh, obviously your fears are, are simpler uh, and less refined. They're less um, worldly type fears. They're more the fear of, you know, your immediate safety. 
and uh, you know being being taken away and tortured or killed or or just being taken away uh, was enough to scare me as a kid. So that alien stuff, Bigfoot stuff, always kind of scared me as a kid. Uh, I remember lots of black and white stuff as a kid. There were those Three Stooges episodes. There were a few that always seemed to take place in a castle, I think, uh, where there were, you know, skeletons walking around. And uh, there's one where I think it's a bird gets inside of a skull and he's flying around. And <laughs> this flying skull with wings coming out of the side is chasing uh, Mo and Larry and Shemp. And uh, uh, I remember watching uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Uh, that was one where a lot of the universal monsters, uh, you know, and Dracula and Frankenstein and everybody uh, are uh, uh, chasing Abbott and Costello. There's that famous scene where um, uh, they're guarding the coffin and it keeps slowly, the lid opens and it slides his candle <laughs> across, which if you've not seen it, I will put a link to that just uh, because that's such a great movie and a great scene. But those those were the early things that I remember. So things that weren't necessarily uh, scary for adults, but as kids, uh, that would kind of push you in that direction. I guess one thing, uh, one reason why a lot of that didn't scare me was after seeing Star Wars and the Cantina scene, uh, and and watching these specials about you know the makings of movies and discovering Rick Baker. And learning about his craft, about, um, you know, the makeup jobs that he made, uh, sculpting the aliens and, and manufacturing them. And, and I got really interested in the special effects angle, uh, the, the mask making specifically, and the animatronics that went into, uh, you know, making the eyes move or blank and things like that. Rick Baker did the werewolf special effects in... Uh, American Werewolf goes to London. He did uh, the Werewolf and Thriller. He's done a, a million things, uh, but those were the things from that time that I remember. So when I saw these horror movies, I was less uh, scared. You know, I mean that that level of horror movie. I wasn't as scared as I was curious about uh, you know the behind the scenes. Like when I would see somebody get killed, uh, it didn't bother me seeing someone get killed on film because I knew it was fake and I knew that there was a special effects person that had done that work. So I was more curious about, you know, how they had done the logistics of, uh, you know, how they would, you know, tear somebody apart or, or, or blood packs and, and things like that. The first movie that I remember that really scared me was poltergeist. And the reason that movie scared me again, it, it plays on those themes of, of children being taken away. And that film uh, has two levels of uh, horror. When you watch it as a kid, you see the the kid's angle. You see the story of Carol Ann, or you see the, the story of, of uh, Robbie and his sister being taken away and being afraid of this entity. But then as an adult, that film's totally different. You begin to watch it as, you know, this entity that's taking your children away from you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And so that's uh, it, it's completely different. So that film works on a couple of different levels. But I remember when that film came out, the young boy, his name was Robbie, and he was in third grade. And my name was Robbie, and I was in third grade. And there's that scene where the, there's the big tree uh, and the storm, and it's, it's tapping on the window. And then it breaks through the window and grabs him, uh, grabs the boy as a diversion. 
so that the entities can pull Carol Ann into the other world through the television. And I had a large tree outside my bedroom window, and when the Oklahoma winds would blow, the branches would tap on the glass. And so I I just, you know, after seeing that, and, and at night, the wind would blow, and, and the branches would scrape on my window, and I would just lay there terrified. Uh, so that's that's the first time I really remember, you know, being scared, not just during a movie, but after seeing the movie. Uh, that That's one that lasted with me. I had a buddy that lived down the street. His name was Andy Smith. And Andy Smith and I were good friends. And uh, he, he lived, it was a straight shot. My mom could see his house uh, from the front porch. So I would ride my bike down there. So Andy and I did a lot of stuff. And, and that was actually his, his grandma's house. So he would go there every day. And uh, Andy and I were buddies. And his mom lived on the other side of town. And so in fifth grade... I went to a slumber party. Well, I just uh, spent the night over at Andy's house. And while we were there, his mom took us to the movies. This was fifth grade. And uh, well, and Andy was actually a year younger than me, so he would have been in fourth grade. So she took us to the movies and asked us what we wanted to see. And there was a brand new movie out called Silver Bullet, which was a, a film based on the Stephen King book. Uh, that involves werewolves and and kids, and uh, we were like, we want to see Silver Bullet, and so I have this distinct memory. His mom took us up to the counter and said, uh, uh, "Well, she just gave us money and said and said go see it." So we went up there, and uh, we were like, "Hey, two for Silver Bullet," and the guy was like, "That's R rated." <laughs> you know, we're in fourth and fifth grade. It's like you can't see that without an adult. So we turned around, she hadn't left yet, and we we told his mom, hey, they won't let us in. And so she went up there and bought three tickets, one for her and one for each of us. And I'll never forget, the minute we turned and walked in, she turned around and tossed her ticket on the ground and left. <laughs> so she dropped us off to go see Silver Bullet. And that movie begins with a werewolf attack uh, that ends up, uh, knocking a guy's head off, like a severed head goes flying through the air. I think that's the, the opening scene, or if not, it's pretty early on. Uh, but I was like, wow, this movie is scary. <laughs> and so the two of us uh, sat there, hunkered down in our seats watching uh, Silver Bullet. And uh, I, I don't remember like residual effects of watching it afterwards. Like I wasn't scared for weeks, but I remember uh, being scared in that theater. And for me, I think that movie set a precedent for me, which was horror movies, um, you know, all the the rules that applied to horror movies, in my mind, kind of came from that. And it was that bad people got punished and good people won, even though it looked like they wouldn't win at the end. The good people come out ahead um, and that it should be fun. Uh, not fun as in silly, but fun as in a roller coaster where it goes up and down, you know, where there's a scary part and then there's a lull and then another scary part and then a lull. Uh, and, and so that's, you know, the style of horror that I saw as a kid and that, that I, you know, enjoyed. So the next year in sixth grade, I have two distinct 
uh, memories that apply to horror films. The first is um, my friend Jason, Jason Lee. Uh, I was over at his house, and his house uh, was separated by a big creek behind my house. So there was my house and the backyard backed up to a creek, and his house was on the other side. And I was over there. Uh, we'd been playing, and then it was getting, you know, turning dusk. Uh, I think I may have even had dinner over there for some reason. And uh, all of a sudden, Nightmare on Elm Street was coming on HBO. And so his parents said, hey, can you watch this or whatever? And I said, I don't know. And they said, well, why don't you call your parents and see if it's okay? So I called my parents. And this was when HBO would um, uh, show horror movies at night. Uh, So, you know, they give that little disclaimer. And uh, I called my parents, and they were like, yeah, if you're there with their family and all that, you can watch it. And so we sat there, and we watched Nightmare on Elm Street. And I remember being super scared. I mean, you know, Freddy, seeing that for the first time. This is definitely, a, um, you know, turning it up from, uh, you know, Poltergeist uh, and Silver Bullet. <clears throat> and uh, so we watched Nightmare on Elm Street, and I don't know, you know, but it's definitely dark. And now it's like 10, 1030, and I got to go home. And I have to walk through the creek, you know, which is pitch black. There's no lights there. And I just remember running as fast as I could. Like, I got down in that creek, and I just ran through there, you know. I knew my way through, you know, how to get from one side to the other. But that that was uh, – I, I was really scared after seeing that. And uh, and so that one, that one definitely stuck with me <laughs> afterwards. My other sixth grade uh, horror film memory was I spent the night at uh, a different Andy's house, Andy Green's house, and they had uh, uh, they were the they had like all the movie channels like HBO, Cinemax, Showtime, everything, and we would sleep in the living room when we spent the night at his house. We would um, <clears throat> I think maybe their couch folded out or something, but we would sleep in there and. Uh, we were laying there one night, and Children of the Corn came on, and so that's uh, the uh, funny thing about Andy's house is that he he told me matter of factly he was not joking he was not um, being funny at all he told me that his house was haunted, and he said they had a ghost, and that different things would happen and and I was like, well, you know, I, I never heard anybody say that seriously you know before, and we were playing in television that evening in his living room and we were the only two people in the house and a cabinet door in the kitchen opened and a little container of spaghetti fell out and spaghetti fell out like the dry noodles all over the counter and it didn't face him at all he was like oh that's just the ghost and that scared me because um not because i mean partially because something had happened but also because he had just accepted it. He was like, oh, that's just the ghost. Not, you know, no, what was that? And just when something happened, he, you know, they would just attribute it to this ghost. So we were up, you know, that night and I'm in a house where I'm like, these people really have a ghost in their house. And then we watched Children of the Corn, which uh, as a, a kid is a pretty terrifying film. Uh, as an adult, I don't think it's as scary because I just don't find myself afraid of little kids and even a bunch of little kids teaming up against me are still little kids. Like I, you know, I I said this, we, we reviewed children on the corn on throwback reviews and I feel like I can beat up most eight year olds, you know, they're just not that terrifying to me. 
uh, now not uh, he who walks behind the rose or whatever. <laughs> I don't want to take on a a uh, you know demon type thing, but uh, as far as beating kids up, yeah, I'm all for that. Uh, so, um, but as a kid, that movie is, is pretty scary. Uh, and so I remember doing that and, you know, I, I do live in Oklahoma. There was a, right on the other side of Andy's house, there was a big giant wheat field that we would go out and, and roll around in to flatten the wheat down to make little paths. So it was almost like you could make your own little clubhouse by just flattening the wheat and then rolling around in a big area and making a big flat area. And you could just walk out of this wheat field and have an area to sit where nobody knew where you were. And after seeing uh, children on the corn, <laughs> it kind of changed the, our perspective of that. Seventh grade is when I met my buddy Jeff. And I've talked a lot about Jeff. Uh, I talk about Jeff on this show. I talk about him on Multiple Sadness. I talk about him on Sprite Castle. Jeff was my buddy that was into everything that I was into. He had a Commodore. He was into horror movies. Uh, we hit it off in seventh grade. And I went on vacation last week. And drove to the mountains of Denver and rented a cabin. And my family spent the weekend with his family. So we are still the best of friends, um, however long it's been, 30 years later. And uh, uh, Jeff, in seventh grade, I met him at the beginning of seventh grade. So that would have been, you know, August, September time frame. Uh, and in October, he had a Halloween party. And this is the first thing that he and I had basically ever done together. It's the first time I went to his house. And Jeff's mom is really into decorating and making sure kids have a good time. And they had, I remember they had in their house a hot tub and they had dropped a block of dry ice into the hot tub. So there's smoke pouring out of the hot tub. Uh, there was some, you know, bobbing for apples and those type of things. Um, there was also, uh, Jeff's father's liquor cabinet. And I believe, uh, we, we snuck some little sips of, uh, did a little taste testing when nobody was looking back there. Uh, but, uh, they were showing, they were playing Friday the 13th in the living room. And, uh, that was the first, I had a few experiences of this, but that was the first time where, uh, I was watching something really scary, but I had to pretend like I wasn't scared because you definitely don't want other people to think that you're, uh, scared or not cool, you know? So as we watched, uh, uh, Friday the 13th, you know, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is thing. And thinking, you know, the scariest thing I had seen was, you know, children of the corn or whatever up until that point. So, uh, but Friday the 13th is definitely, I mean, that ratchet stuff up to another level, even more than, um, uh, nightmare on Elm street, you know, it's like at least the original. So, uh, that was definitely a step up and Jeff and I were horror movie buddies. Uh, I mean, we don't, really sit around and watch movies together today. Um, but there were so many movies, his mother, every time I spent the night, which would be every weekend during the school year, if he wasn't at my house, I would be at his house. Uh, and his mom would take us to the movie, you know, uh, blockbuster or whatever the mom and pop place was and let us pick out a couple movies. And we would go to the horror section and get, you know, whatever the grossest looking film was. And that's what we would watch. Um, and so that's, in fact, um, we rented a witchboard, which is where the term multiple sadness came from, which is where the name for my other podcast, multiple sadness came from is, is from that horror movie. Uh, but the two of, I watched, um, the two of us watched Chud. We watched Choppy Mall. We watched Slumber Party Massacre. We watched all the Friday the 13th films. I mean, that's, 
just one of the things that we did when we took a break from playing the Commodore or Nintendo, we would watch horror films. Now, that same year in seventh grade, um, this is funny. My grandmother came down to visit from Chicago, and they went shopping at the flea market without me for some reason. I think she and my mom went to the flea market. And she came back, and she said, I bought you some posters for your room. Now, your grandmother buying you posters for your room is always uh, – if it doesn't, it probably should make you a little nervous, like, you know – what on earth is my grandma going to buy him? <laughs> she bought me three posters, uh, a Metallica Kill 'Em All poster, a Iron Maiden The Trooper poster, and a Friday the Thir- No, I'm sorry, a Nightmare on Elm Street poster with Freddy. And I think it was for the second uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I, it wasn't for the first one. I think it was Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. But it was just a picture of Freddy with a glove in front of him, you know. The Metallica Kill 'Em All, I was not into Metallica at the at all at the time. I don't, I mean, I'm sure I'd heard the name, but I did not listen to Metallica. And this poster had like a big red demon thing on it. And it said, kill them all. Uh, and then Iron Man's the trooper is, uh, their mascot, Eddie, you know, as a skeleton wearing, uh, I think it's a Confederate, uh, uh, or civil war type soldier outfit. And he's got the flag, you know, and it says the trooper, uh, so th- this is what my grandma <laughs> picked out for my room, and I hung all those up. I actually had to move them at one time because uh, my my sister's room was down the hallway, but our doors faced each other, and so I put the Freddy poster where when you open when both of our doors were open, then she could see the Freddy poster all the way down the hallway, and she uh, complained to my parents that I had to relocate that. Uh, I remember in ninth grade. Uh, I went to a, a different friend's birthday party, Lewis's birthday party, and he had rented a movie, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And uh, so we watched that. And again, it was that situation. I mean, there was a, a room full of kids, uh, you know, all my classmates, boys and girls, and we're watching Faces of, or uh, uh, sorry, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I remember being pretty scared. But you don't want to act like you're scared. You want to act like everything's cool, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but uh, that's another one that uh, – and, and that's something that I'll talk about later. But something that I found that, that bothers me uh, in horror films is random violence. Uh, I'm okay. You know, the, the, we have the horror movie cliches where – uh, the people that have sex get killed. The people that do drugs get killed while the innocent person, you know, uh, makes it through to the end and, and uh, either solves the mystery or escapes or whatever. I like that formula. I know that's old and tired and cliched, but I, I like that, you know, that, that the protagonist, and this is maybe is some of my uh, writing theory class coming in, but that the protagonist, uh, you know, deserves to survive. It's that poetic justice where the bad people are punished, um, you know, for their crimes. But Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, it was innocent people getting attacked and killed, you know, and that, that bothered me and it stuck with me. Uh, and it's still something that bothers me today in horror films. I should mention, (laughs) uh, I had a a VCR in my room growing up. I had a VCP. I think I talked about that on the VCR episode. VCP being a video cassette player. Uh, you couldn't record movies, but you could play them. And uh, so I had this this VCP. 
So one of the videotapes I, I went to, I used to go to Big Lots. They opened up a Big Lots uh, near us. And they had all kinds of discount videotapes. So I would buy these videotapes. I bought a Three Stooges cartoons <laughs> tape that I had for a while and, and uh, different movies and stuff. And I they had this uh, twofer movie section where you could get these movies and they would have two movies on them. And I got uh, Alice, Sweet Alice, uh, and Psychomania, <laughs> two films on the same tape. And uh, Alice, Sweet Alice is a strange horror movie, uh, but it is Brooke Shields' first acting credit. She's very, very young. Uh, and then I think that was put like in big letters on the front of the box. And then Psychomania is this weird uh, motorcycle type, like a motorcycle biker gang horror kind of thing. And, and they're both ridiculous movies, but... Uh, I had this tape, and so I would watch it. And my friends, uh, I, all my friends, you know, when we talk about horrors, they'd be like, oh, Alice, sweet Alice. I don't know that any of them watched either of those movies all the way through, uh, you know. And, and I know I did several times, but it, it was more like that was um, – it kind of like stood for horror, if that makes sense. Like it was a symbol of watching horror. There was uh, uh, those films – uh, and I've since watched uh, Alice, Sweet Alice before, and it's not not a great film. <laughs> I don't know that I've seen Psychomania in a long time. I, I don't remember the the plot points of it, but I, I'd have to go back and watch that. Um, <clears throat> but uh, so I, I, I watched those. I would occasionally get horror movies, rent them, and stuff, and watch them uh, in my my bedroom. But um, uh, you know, so as so moving forward a little bit. Uh, I remember starting, you know, going to the theater without parents, without anybody, and going and seeing uh, some horror movies. Uh, right out of high school, we went to go see. There was a a local theater that was having a midnight Halloween showing of Faces of Death. Now, I had seen Faces of Death, uh, one of them, I think the first one, with Jeff before. Uh, and I thought it was... Um, revolting. Uh, I thought it was in the true definition, disgusting. Um, and not, I don't mean that as being gross. I mean that, um, which is funny because Dr. Gross, <laughs> I think is the host. Um, but because, um, the idea of, you know, I, people do have a morbid curiosity, um, you know, of wanting to know what, like after we die, you know, uh, and seeing how that works and seeing how an autopsy works or a cremation works or whatever. But what I learned from watching Faces of Death was that you can't unsee things. Um, you can't, you know, once, once you see, you know, somebody being cut open in an autopsy or something. And, and again, there's that curiosity part where people want to want to know, uh, you know, people want to know how things work. But once you've seen that, you cannot unsee that. Uh, that is, you know, there were scenes from Faces of Death. And a lot of Faces of Death is fake. I, I assume everybody knows that now. We didn't know that at the time. Uh, but most of the uh, staged footage stuff is fake. Um, and in fact, there's some websites. Hey, you know what? I will dig out this link. I'm going to have to remind myself. I will dig out a link that goes through the original faces of death, um, scene by scene and talks about like where they got the news footage from for the few things that were real or, 
uh, you know, who the actors were and, and the, the staged footage stuff. But, um, but I, I found it literally disturbing. Like I, it was, uh, it bothered me to watch that. And so there was this midnight showing, and I think it was a faces of death three. That's for some reason that sticks with me. <clears throat> and we all went, uh, uh, my wife and my my was my girlfriend at the time. We went, and Jeff and, and his girlfriend went, uh, and, and to this midnight Halloween showing of Faces of Death. And you know, for at least when you watch it at home, you can you can turn away and not watch the things that bother you. But when you're in a theater, I mean, you're there. You're you're captive audience, and I just remember being really disturbed by that. And I know there was a a. Uh, a trend for a while to release. I bought this videotape one time called banned in America or whatever. And it was literally, you know, footage from police standoffs where people would come out and get shot or, or people, you know, in a protest setting themselves on fire. And I don't, I don't even think I made it all the way through. I I had it. I kept it for a long time because I felt like it was, um, rare or something, or, you know, like it was some kind of, I don't know, capsule of, of um, things that people shouldn't see, but it, um, but I, I never, I never finished watching it. And I, and in fact, I, there was a second one that I got and I never even opened it. It just, that kind of stuff. That's not, to me, that's not, um, uh, horror, you know, as far as like fiction horror, it is horror. It's, it's horrific, but it's not, um, the type of horror, uh, that I enjoy. Now, again, Jeff uh, and and his wife later, me and my wife and another couple, we did go to the theater to go see the Blair Witch Project. Now, uh, if you are younger, or if you weren't there and don't remember this, <clears throat> the, um, the Blair Witch Project was really drummed up to be, uh, you know, a found footage. To use a Doug McCoy's term, a found footage film where this was a real event. Uh, these people were filming a documentary. They disappeared, but people found the cameras later and then went through the, the footage and, and that's what we are watching. So we are, we are to presume that this is a, you know, was a real documentary, uh, in, in process. And as, uh, uh, you know, there was even a documentary before the Blair Witch came out that ran on sci-fi. And I think I have this and it was, uh, about the legend of uh the Blair Witch and you know it they were setting there was all this marketing that people didn't know if this stuff was was really real or not uh and it wasn't the internet era there wasn't the time i mean it was but it was still in its infancy in fact there was a lot of marketing done on the internet uh for Blair Witch project but um you know you couldn't just go on wikipedia or google and be like is the Blair Witch real and then you find a thousand pages that say nope it's not real these people are actors and, and here's where they are now. It wasn't like that, you know? So really you just had the movie to go off of. So you go into the movie, <clears throat> we watched it, you know, and, uh, that the last, I mean, the, the whole thing was, was scary, but the last, you know, third, uh, where they're in the woods, they're obviously being hunted by the Blair Witch. They go into the, uh, abandoned shack and that stuff scares me, you know, being at night in the woods, ew, no thanks. And, uh, you know, as we were watching this, I mean, and the end of the movie is so abrupt 
And, you know, some people were like, what happened? And, and, you know, so people are explaining it to each other. And I remember after watching The Blair Witch, people were stunned. And we all came out of the theater and we were standing outside the theater on the sidewalk, just having discussions with strangers like, well, did you see this? Or I think this happened and about that ending, you know? And I, I mean, there were probably 10 or 15 people, all of us just standing there talking about this movie. Um, and that was, that was a really, it was a weird, uh, experience, but it was, it was awesome. At the same time, it was that, uh, you know, the fear of, did this happen? Did this not happen? You know, wanting to know more about that. So that was a really, I really, uh, enjoyed seeing the Blair Witch in theaters. And of course, now we know that it was, uh, all a put on and then, um, you know, whatever momentum and exciting excitement that was built from the Blair Witch was uh, decimated by the Blair Witch 2. So what else do I have to talk about? In college, uh, we had a friend, uh, my wife and I had a mutual friend who worked at the local video store and I would go there and she would save me uh, horror movie posters. I remember I got one for a movie called Eye of the Beholder. Uh, and there was another one, but there was two different ones that were both, uh, just this eyeball, you know, that eye of the beholder, I think was an eyeball in a shattered window or mirror or something like that. I, I never saw the movie, but I thought the poster was great. <laughs> and so I took the poster home and hung this poster up in my room. Also, one time she got, uh, there was a Stephen King movie called the dark half, which was based on a, uh, novel, of course, about a a writer and he had a, a pseudonym and the pseudonym began trying to take over the writer's life. And there was this huge dark half, uh, standy thing. I mean, it's like five foot tall cardboard at all, you know, slot a went in tab B and all this. Uh, and it was kind of a 3d thing with layers of cardboard. And, um, I asked it what they do when they get rid of those things. And she said, well, we just give them to people. And so, uh, uh, they put my name on the back of it. So I had that. And I had that in my room for like years. You know, this giant, probably, you know, four foot wide, five foot tall cardboard standy thing of the dark half, which was funny because uh, I thought the book was okay. And I didn't think the movie was that good at all. So, <laughs> but uh, the standy thing was really cool. It was just this purple and black, uh, big standy kind of thing. It's kind of funny. Um, I've mentioned previously about my trauma DVD purchase. When I first got a DVD player, uh, I discovered uh, through a local rental place, Troma Films. They are the people behind uh, the Toxic Avenger, uh, Class of Nukem High. They make bad horror movies. They also uh, produce bad horror movies, uh, low budget. Let's not say bad. Uh, and and um, you know they purchase a lot of uh, older horror movies and. and uh, redistribute those and one of my very first ebay purchase was a lot of 20 or 25 trauma dvds which i think i paid around like 100 bucks for it was, i mean for four dollars per dvd it was very very cheap at the time uh and so then i was the proud owner of uh you know <clears throat> the killer condom and rabid grannies and all these terrible <laughs> Uh, trauma films, but I, I enjoyed watching all those. Some of those will end up on Beware uh, or on uh, Multiple Sadness. I'm thinking there was one called Beware Children at Play, which was particularly terrible. And that's uh, one that I'm going to be doing soon on Multiple Sadness. But uh, so 
that kind of rekindled uh, horror movies for me is picking up these trauma films and watching those. I made a list of horror movies um, since I've been an adult that I enjoyed, and I'm not going to go into great detail on each of these. I may just mention them, you know, something about them. Uh, but here's the list I wrote down. Uh, Paranormal Activity. That movie scared the crap out of me. Um, I, th- I thought that it did a really good job of building tension throughout that film where, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the night footage. So you'd have the day footage where everything was safe. Then you go to the night night vision. I think there's something about night vision that I find scary. Um, but uh, Paranormal Activity. And you remember there was uh, uh, the girl who was being possessed sometimes would stand up in the middle of the night and just stand over the bed and stare at the other guy for hours. And um, I woke up one night, right shortly after watching this, a week or two after watching this, and my wife was standing next to me in the bed, just staring at me. And I jumped out. I was like, "What the hell are you doing?" And then she starts laughing. She's like, "Ah!" <laughs> so my wife has a really good sense of humor. Um, so that's how we scare each other as we reenact uh, horror movie scenes. Uh, but Paranormal Activity, uh, and I think I watched the second one, and I don't think I really got into it, and I haven't seen the third or fourth ones. Uh, but the first one I did think was scary. The Ring, I think a lot of people found that movie scary. Uh, you know, the the footage of watching on the tape, uh, those quick-cut kind of weird, creepy things, those are always scary. Um, and that, that scene of Samara crawling out of the television got me. Um, I mean, I, I was an adult watching that in my house, and when that scene came on, I'm pretty sure I either jumped or screamed or both. Uh, but I did enjoy that. Uh, <clears throat> I liked uh, the first Scream movie. I wrote that down. Um, I like smart horror where things are going on, where there's more levels to the plot. Um, the one thing I didn't like about that was there was a lot of random violence, people getting killed that weren't necessarily uh, deserving. Or, uh, but but that's the you know the 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 trope that belongs to the slasher film. Where not necessarily it doesn't they don't have to die because they were bad, uh, they die because the the bad guy is bad and uh, he does bad things sometimes to good people. Jacob's Ladder is a uh, I don't know that it's it is a horror film. Uh, I don't like the ending. I don't. I mean, I don't. Uh, I don't. I, I guess Jacob's Ladder talking about that is not a spoiler at this point, but it's uh, the same as uh, The Usual Suspects, in which The Usual Suspects, which is not a horror film, uh, when we get to the end of the film, we realize that the entire film has been made up by the character. It is completely fictional. We don't know what's what was true or what wasn't true. And so even though it was a good story, ultimately at the end, uh, we're just dumped. We're like, well, that, that was a completely made up story that didn't happen. And... Uh, you know, the same thing happens at Jacob's Ladder. When we get to the end, we realize that the entire movie uh, was a, a dream. And uh, so all these things that happen in the movie, we don't don't really uh, – we're just in the, the protagonist's mind uh, as he was dying. And uh, But that being said, there are some scary moments. Uh, those uh, anybody Anytime I see something without a face, I think that's scary. I don't like whispering. I don't like uh, in horror movies where there's somebody whispering like that. It just That creeps me out. Um, I'll tell you, unrelated, but something that always scares me is uh, backwards text or backwards speech. 
Uh, and I did a, a version or a episode of You Don't Know Flack where I talked about backmasking, and I can't listen to that one <laughs> because it, it bothers me uh, so much. It, it uh, When I hear that, it makes the, the goosebumps come up, you know, the hair on the back of my neck, and I start looking over my shoulder, and, and I can't uh, – there's something about that that uh, inherently just bothers me. Uh, Lord of Illusions was a Clive Barker uh, horror film that uh, started out with a uh, a cult leader who leads uh, a bunch of people into uh, uh, their death, and he is killed, but he, he gains power, and it's kind of a, um, oh, I mean, it's supernatural, but uh, um, <clears throat> as a kid, I remember watching Helter Skelter, the documentary about Charles Manson, and reading a lot about the Manson family and and uh, cults, cult behavior, uh, Jonestown massacre, which was a terrible thing. Uh, that that type of mindset where people will just blindly follow someone even to their own demise uh, bothers me. I don't like that, and so Lord of Illusions has enough of that, um, you know, that cult. Uh, uh, premise that I think reminded me of, of Helter Skelter. So I think maybe that's why I found that movie so scary. Um, I, I've, I always mean to go back and watch that and I never get through it. I never get through the whole thing just because, uh, I, I don't know, something about it just, just bothers me. Pet Cemetery. Um, that's another one that works on multiple levels as a kid. Uh, it's a scary movie, but as an adult, uh, when you, you know, the premise about losing a child and putting them, you know, into the cemetery that brings things back to life, even though they're not quite right <laughs> when they come back. Uh, it's definitely a, uh, a adult dilemma theme. Uh, let the right one in. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much about that, but if you have not seen that, there's the original version, which I think is German. I want to say it's German. Uh, but then there was an English remake. I like the original better with subtitles, but, uh, uh, the remakes not bad either. Either one of those, uh, are good films. If you're looking for a good, scary Halloween, it's not a jump scare kind of movie. It's a, uh, this is going to bother you on a deep level <laughs> type movie. Uh, cabin in the woods. I thought that was a great, uh, movie. You know, the ending, uh, you know, with, with the, uh, ancient ones and things like that. And you start getting into uh, uh, Cthulhu <laughs> grounds, you know, and, and uh, that loses me a little bit. But I did like Cabin in the Woods. Tucker and Dale versus Evil is another one where um, it's horror. It's not horror. Um, but uh, that that was one that I enjoyed. Uh, I made a quick list of <clears throat> movies that I keep seeing when I was doing research for this of the world's, you know, the top whatever scariest movies of movies that I didn't really find scary. Uh, a couple of them are psychological type thrillers like Misery and Silence of the Lambs, Sixth Sense. Um, I thought those were all good movies, but they weren't movies that um, uh, scared me or uh, stuck with me, you know, as far as, as long term scaring, scarring, <laughs> scaring, scarring. Uh, Hellraiser, I watched that uh, when I was pretty young. That movie didn't bother me. Uh, and Phantasm, I don't know if I saw it when I was little, little. Uh, but as a teen, I, <clears throat> there's so much of that that didn't make sense to me that <laughs> it wasn't scary just because I didn't understand it. Um, and then Chucky. And, and some of these movies, you know, when you when you hit that certain age of, 
you know, late teens, early twenties, where you start watching horror movies because uh, not because they scare you, but because uh, you enjoy them, you know, and that's that's kind of where Chucky hit for me was. Um, uh, I didn't think it was scary. I thought it was funny and enjoyable. Um, and then I, I made a, a really brief list here, and I'm not going to go through this list, but of disturbing uh, horror movies. And um, there's a there's an entire genre of horror. I mean, a split off, I guess, that I just don't enjoy. Uh, I don't, as I mentioned before, I don't enjoy random violence, just random people getting slaughtered. Uh, we have that. It's called the evening news. I mean, we have the reality of, uh, you know, people die undeservingly every day. And that's a horrible thing. And when we watch, uh, horror again, I, I watched an interview a long time ago, long, 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 long time ago, uh, with Alice Cooper. And, and it was, they were questioning his, uh, stage show. I think this was after he had introduced, uh, you know, his guillotine where he, he cuts his own head off and, and, and during the show every night and electrocutes himself in a giant electric chair. And Alice Cooper said, you know, for me, horror, uh, you know, stage show and horror movies are like amusement park rides. You know, they're like roller coasters where you go down and up and you have the high part and then you have the low point and, and you get that pit in your stomach where you're like, Oh no, here we go. You know, and that's what I like uh, in my horror. I don't like watching um, people being brutalized. I don't like um, – and I have no problem with people getting killed. I don't like people getting tortured. Uh, you know, there's a pretty big difference. Um, the um, I, Almost every movie that Rob Zombie has done has – I've just found disturbing and not enjoyable and which is funny because I greatly enjoy uh white zombie, the music and, and Rob zombie solo stuff. Um, but I remember watching uh, house of a thousand corpses and the devil's rejects and both of them, I just found completely disturbing. I mean, I get it that it's this random wacko uh, clan family, you know, that, that are torturing people and, and killing people. But just not for me. There's just not of a the, the plot of your horror movie shouldn't be here's people that kill people. Like I need more. I need a plot. Not I mean that's a setup, you know? Um I I didn't I thought his uh remake of Halloween, um the opening scene where we see you know, in the in the original Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween, we have Michael Myers and we don't know why He's Michael Myers. He's just a bad seed, you know. He gets the knife. He's a little kid. He kills his sister. Uh, I mean, and it's it's a bad you know deal. But you can tell this kid's damaged goods, and he doesn't. He's not going to get better. <laughs> if you've watched any of the first uh, <laughs> ten or so Halloween films, you know he's not going to get better. He's going to uh, be the same or worse. Uh, but in Rob Zombie's Halloween. It's his environment that has driven this kid. I mean, we see he's abused. We see he's neglected. Um, and so when he starts killing people, I mean, it's for revenge and it is brutal. I mean, when you duct tape somebody to a chair and slowly slit their throat and watch them bleed out, that's not, you know, I mean, it, it is mentally disturbed, but it's more than that. I mean, when you need to watch that person suffer and die, I mean, it's just terrible, you know. And there's a, a, a baseball bat attack early on in the film that just goes on for so long. 
Um, and, and it's just not, you know, that's not for me. That's not my kind of horror. My kind of horror is, again, amusement park horror. Uh, the fun, you know. Uh, oh, no. And, and and by fun, I don't mean that, you know, everybody is happily ever after. It doesn't have to be that. But it does have to uh, make some sort of sense to me on a, you know, some sort of moral thing. Even if the bad guy kills everybody, uh, you know, the fact that it made sense. I, it's just the senseless stuff I don't get. The hostile movies, I watched the first one, and I never watched any. That's not for me. Uh, I think the term torture porn came out around that time to describe that. That's a genre that's not for me. Uh, so, and not saying it's not for everybody. I know there are people that like it. I don't know who those people are and they're not invited to dinner <laughs> and they're certainly not invited to my dungeon. But, um, yeah, there's, um, uh, just like I said, if it, if it's not enjoyable and, and you can be scared and then afterwards you go, Ooh, that was scary, you know, but when you're like, you're scared and then you feel sick at your stomach and then you, you know, go home and you cry, that's not entertainment for me. Uh, so anyway, you know, as, um, uh, technology has advanced. Of course, now we have the internet. Now we have access, uh, to all these types of films that as a kid, you know, uh, as a kid in Oklahoma, you had uh, access to what was on the movie channels. If you had HBO or whatever, and you had access to the 20 or 30 horror movies that were, um, you know, available at your mom and pop store. I, I guess, um, I should tell this story. I have told this story, I think, multiple times at this point on this podcast, so I will just uh, very lightly recap it. But twice uh, in my life, I have bought out large sections of uh, movie rental places, and the first was Kaleidoscope Video. I know for a fact I told this story on the VHS or VCR episode. Uh, but, um, there, long story short, there was a video rental place that I used to rent videos at when I, uh, first moved out, that place went out of business and they had a, basically a fire sale on their movies. And I went and bought the entire horror section and the entire, uh, Kung Fu section. And so I came home with, uh, you know, several large boxes of videotapes and many of them were the same tapes that I had rented, uh, you know, years prior. Uh, but I did get this large selection of horror movies that I would go through and watch and, and um, uh, you know, movies that I had never seen. And that, w- that was really fun to do for a long time. Uh, and then, I mean, when I did that was when we were – I mean, obviously, they had gone out of business because people were transitioning to not only, um, you know, DVDs, but also online entertainment, you know, being able to watch movies online or rent movies and, and uh, Netflix and Redbox and things like that. Uh, so the same thing happened to, to us, you know, as, uh, um, I, I didn't go buying more videotapes because I could find those things online. Uh, the other story, and I don't know if I've told this or not, maybe I have, maybe I haven't, but, uh, there was a, uh, I had the, um, uh, the flu, I think one time, uh, I remember I was so, I was really, really sick and I know I, and I had a sinus infection is what it was. I was really sick. I couldn't get out of bed. I just laid in bed for like two days. And um, my wife went to the store, uh, Homeland, and she's at the grocery store, and she calls the house. So I answer the phone, and she says they are closing down their video rental place, and all of their DVDs uh, are on sale for $2. So all their rental you know, movies that they rented were on sale for $2. Maybe a dollar. No, it seems like it was $2. Uh, 
Um, and so then she starts reading me, and I'm so sick. I don't want to be awake. I don't want to be talking on the phone. I don't want to be doing anything. And she starts reading me off this list of uh, uh, titles. She's like, Legend of Hell House, would you want that one? Uh, yeah, I guess. Then I hear her drop it in the basket. Uh, what about uh, Hellhound? Do you want this one? Uh, okay. Uh, and then, she, you know, about the third one, and then I said, look, if it has death, blood, hell, Satan, demon, anything like that in the title, pick it up for me. I'll pay for it when you get home. She's like, are you sure? I'm like, yep. Uh, she came home with, I want to say 180. <laughs> Maybe it was only 90 and the bill was 180. I, but, uh, I mean, a ton, like grocery sacks of DVDs. I was like, oh my gosh. I had no idea that they had that many movies uh, to rent uh, up at uh, Homeland that they were selling. But my uh, horror section of my DVD collection just exponentially grew, uh, you know, in one, one large purchase. And again, had a great time digging through those movies, watching them. Uh, really, really enjoyed uh, doing that. So every now and then, yeah, I'll, I'll buy something stupid. I'm okay with that. Uh, but where I was going before was, uh, you know, as you, as uh, now we have the internet. Now it's global. Now you can go online and type in, you know, what are the classic, uh, top 100 classic horror films of the 70s? And you get a list where before you couldn't do that. The, my list was the top 10 movies on this shelf at the, you know, video rental that I could, you know, get that I haven't seen a million times before. So now you can go online and find, oh, this was a classic movie from the 70s. And, you know, five minutes later, you're downloading it or renting it from Amazon or whatever. You know, you're acquiring it in some way. Uh, so, you know, it, it's different now. And now uh, I, I think over time, I, I don't watch, um, you know, there, there's three, I say there's good horror movies. Then there's bad horror movies, which, and by that I mean not not good. And then there are the ones that are so bad uh, that they're enjoyable because they they're horrible but funny. Those are the movies I cover on Multiple Sadness. So I watch good horror movies because they're enjoyable, and then the ones that are absolutely horrible I watch and enjoy them on a different level and talk about them on Multiple Sadness. But the the ones that are just bad that aren't good. Uh, I don't, I don't think we see those as much anymore because the internet helps us weed those out. You know, you go online and you, you say, you know, what are the top hundred films of this era or the bottom hundred films, but there's no list for the middle hundred films, you know? So I think those kind of fall through the cracks. Um, but going online, another thing that, uh, expanded my horizons, maybe not for the better was, uh, Japanese horror, Korean horror. There's a whole nother world that you could get into. Some of that stuff is very, beautiful. Some of that stuff is very disturbing. <laughs> There's some people with some pent up issues <laughs> in the East. That's all I'm going to say about that. But there's, um, uh, uh, some definitely some disturbing stuff. I, I downloaded, I don't even know if I want to mention it, but I, I downloaded the series of uh, movies a long time ago and it was part of a trilogy from Japan called, uh, I think it's called human beings are garbage or something like that. And it was the most disturbing thing I'd seen. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously, it's not real, you know, it's fiction, but man, it was, it bothersome. 
so I, I I try to not watch things quite that gruesome anymore. Uh, you know, I, I made a little note here about uh, ho- watching horror with my family. Uh, my wife, <clears throat> when she was a kid, she went to a slumber party. And they watched horror films at the slumber party. They watched The Exorcist, and they watched Warlock. Uh, both of those movies bothered her. And the next morning when she came home, she found out that uh, the previous evening, both of her grandparents had passed away. One uh, passed away from a heart attack. Well, they both passed away from heart attacks, but one uh, died suddenly. And then the other one, uh, her grandmother passed away while trying to do CPR on her grandfather. So they both died while literally while my wife was at a slumber party watching the exorcist. And so, uh, for a long time, she would not watch any horror movies at all. She, she does watch them today. Um, she, you know, she, she's more into her time's valuable. And so she won't watch slot, a schlock, like, (laughs) like I'll watch, you know, um, but uh, if if there's a good movie, something that has a good review or something, she'll watch it. Um, but for a long time, you know, she was not interested in watching horror uh, at all. My kids, uh, especially my daughter, who's 10, uh, but both of them have expressed interest in watching horror movies. My problem is I don't know what's scary to 10-year-olds and 13-year-olds, you know. Um, so I, I let them watch uh, the Goosebumps. We watched all the Goosebumps uh, specials a long time ago. Uh, we're watching the X-Files right now, which I think is scary, uh, you know, to that age group. Uh, my son enjoyed watching the sixth sense last year. Uh, he, my son kept bugging me. He was like, I want to watch something scarier. I want to watch something scarier. And so I sat down and we put on the ring. Yeah, that was not good. He had nightmares for like a month and he, he only made it like 10 minutes in. So that, that was, um, not a good choice. <laughs> One of those not uh, father of the year choices. So I don't know. I'm still kind of looking for, um, you know, my daughter this year for Halloween and my son every year wants to be something funny. You know, he's a, uh, a gorilla photographer. <laughs> this year. So he's got a gorilla suit, but a big, large, like a paparazzi old school style camera, you know, with a big flash. That's what he wants to be. Every year, my daughter wants to be um, a zombie, uh, a killer. Uh, she was a, uh, a murderer doctor one year. This year, she is a scary clown. Uh, so that, you know, she definitely has the horror gene of the two. Um, my son one year wanted as a giant banana. That's what that's what he wants to do for Halloween. So they uh, they're they're different in that aspect, you know. And it's fun to watch kids develop their own personalities. But my daughter is the one that I think someday will be my uh, horror movie buddy, the way that I was uh, with my dad. So anyway, that's about all I have to say about horror movies. I hope that uh, uh, you and yours have a safe Halloween. A uh, if you have kids. I hope that uh, you enjoy trick-or-treating and uh, keep that tradition alive. It's a, uh, something that I, I believe in. I, I think that we did that as kids, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that freedom of being able to do that. I think that the reports of trick-or-treating being uh, dangerous uh, to kids are vastly overrated. I, I mean, that being said, I do you know keep my kids within eye's distance, uh, when we go, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's a tradition that, uh, I hope stays alive. I hope that my kids, uh, my son's about to outgrow it. My daughter still enjoys it. So I hope it lasts, uh, until they're done and, and hopefully 
I don't know if it'll be around for their kids. We'll we'll have to see. So I think eventually we'll get to a point where every costume offends somebody and nobody's allowed to wear costumes anymore. (laughs) Different soapbox. Um, So anyway, uh, I hope everybody has a wonderful Halloween. Have a safe holiday, and I will talk to you soon. That wraps up another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to send me feedback about this episode or any other episode of You Don't Know Flack, you can email me at robohara at robohara.com. Contact me on Twitter at Commodork. Follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash you don't know flack. That's all one word. Or leave me voicemail on the You Don't Know Flack podcast hotline at area code 405-486-YDKF. You Don't Know Flack is available from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the You Don't Know Flack RSS feed, and through throwbacknetwork.net, your home for quality retro podcasts. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from me, check out my Commodore 64 theme podcast, Sprite Castle, at spritecastle.com, and Throwback Reviews at throwbackreviews.com. Both of these shows are also available at throwbacknetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Children could see, but I can't find them for the life of me, and there's Halloween spooks.